Yo, this is Teresa Weatherspoon, better known as Teaspoon, and you're watching Real Fans, Real Talk. What's really good and welcome back to another collaboration episode of the Sanchez Show and Real Fans Real Talk. As always, I'm your host, Eric Sanchez, a.k.a. Legend of Two Games. Got my main man with me, Anthony Jones, a.k.a. Trip Young. Trip, how are you doing today? And also, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, man. Um, I, I, I might still have a little bit of the itis. You know, that Thanksgiving turkey and all that mac and cheese and, and everything that come around, man. Um, I had a, a great Thanksgiving. Uh, food was delicious. Shout out to mom. She put her, she put her foot in it, um, you know. And um, I got a little shopping done this weekend. Uh, got to give back actually a couple of days before Thanksgiving. Uh, shout out to Melba and uh, the Derek Jeter Foundation. I was out there giving out turkeys with uh with Derek Jeter's mom and his sister, uh you know the day before Thanksgiving. So that was actually pretty cool. You know you know how, how we do as far as the give back. So that was dope. Absolutely super dope. The footage is out there. Uh, you and Melba are out there. We're giving out turkeys like Nino Brown in the hood, man. But <laughs> I applaud you guys for that type of work, man, because that's what we need to see more within our communities. Facts, facts. Uh, but we, we got some sports to get into. You know what I'm saying? We gave the people a week off last week. It was a hectic time because of the holiday. You were working. I was working and traveling. So we didn't get to get, to get together last week. So we got a lot to get into this week. Week 12 is wrapping up tonight with the Seattle Seahawks playing against the Washington football team. It's going down on Monday Night Football right now. We got some NBA talk to get into as well. But let's start with that with the NFL wrap-up week 12. We got some injuries. We got some teams starting to peak. Let's start with the Patriots. You and I both were big on the Patriots. We both like Mac Jones coming out in the draft. I don't know if we knew he was going to be this good, but the Patriots might be the hottest team in all of football right now. Uh, Six-game winning streak. Right now tied for the division lead. Second overall in the AFC, leading up to their big Monday night matchup next week against Buffalo. What do we make of the Patriots right now, man? Um, well, first of all, let me, let me just say this. Uh, everybody get your roll on. Everybody, everybody, get your roll on. You know, roll tide uh, to my guys, Alabama. Uh, they just actually had a, a huge, huge win to keep them in the in the uh, playoff race in college football. But uh, Mac Jones, alum of Alabama, soon to be uh, NFL Rookie of the Year. That Mac Jones. That's a fact. That's um, a fact. At this point, you know, is it the gap between him and Jamar Chase? Has you know spread so far apart, and I just don't think there's anybody else uh, offensively that even comes close to to what Mac Jones has done this season. And then when you add on the fact that uh, you know the Patriots are, are, are right now at the top of the division, you know what more can you say about this young man? He I think he far exceeded expectations. Um, when he even ex- exceeded my expectations because I actually thought he was going to do well, especially. Being in the Patriots organization, I didn't think that things would go this well, this fast. Um, but you know, you have to tip your hat to the New England Patriots. Um, but you know, we now we gonna we might have to go back again and revisit this argument. Uh, you know, this the whole Brady Belichick argument because you know, and, and big shout out to the players, you know, in 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 New England because this you know them playing this well. Obviously, they have to do their part. But this is the, the the truest example of Bill Belichick's system um, at work. That like because you have a rookie quarterback 
Um, they still don't have any top receivers. They don't have any of the top tight ends. They have two good tight ends, but they don't have any of the top five tight ends. I don't even know if if, if either one of those guys is a top ten tight end. I'd have to reassess things and see. But you know they're good. But again, they're not. It's not Kelsey. It's not Waller. It's not Andrews. It's, it's not uh, Kittle. You know what I'm saying? It's not one of these guys. And they're getting the job done. They don't have any. You know what I'm saying? Household name running backs. But they're getting the job done. They got rid of the, the defensive player of the year from two years ago in Stephon Gilmore, and they are still shutting down teams. The last two weeks, these have been blowouts the last two weeks against, uh, I would say, some pretty good teams, some playoff teams, two blowouts, back-to-back. They're getting hotter as the season goes along. So I got I got to give a lot of credit to Bill Belichick uh, you know, for that system, man, because he puts these guys in a position to win every week, and as long as you don't turn over the football, there's a good chance you're going to win that game. Absolutely. Uh, we got to start with the credit for Bill Belichick because, to me, there was never a debate, and that's not a knock against Tom Brady. But it was never a debate because we knew early on in those early years before Tom Brady became truly Tom Brady, they were winning because of Bill Belichick's ability to scheme up the defense and scheme up plays. Right. So now, like you said, let's just talk about the current edition of the Patriots. They're eight and four right now with a rookie quarterback. No player on that offense is going to the Pro Bowl. Don't fool yourself. All right. Maybe Mac Jones, because he's probably going to be the offensive rookie of the year. But no one else on that offense will be a Pro Bowl caliber player. They may not have a receiver uh, get 1,000 yards. Right now, their best receiver is Kendrick Bourne. He's at 623 yards. So he has an outside shot. But again, it's not a clear-cut possibility that he's even going to get to 1,000 yards. They may not have a 1,000-yard rusher. The top rusher right now, Damian Harris, at 643 yards himself. So again, we're talking 12 games into the year. He's only at 600 yards as a rusher. So they might not have a guy there. Yet somehow, through 12 games, they've already won more games now than they did all of last year. A lot of that has to do with Bill Belichick's ability to scheme up a team with a rookie quarterback and say, look, this is what we're going to focus on. This is what we're going to do. Like you said, defensively, we're going to take we always going to take away your best weapon and we're going to find a way to make you play, quote unquote, left handed, which is what they've done to everybody. And the six game winning streak only highlights what we were starting to see from this team early in the season. You and I both had high praise after they played Dallas because they went toe-to-toe with a very good Dallas team and lost in overtime. You and I had high praise when they played Tampa Bay because they went toe-to-toe with the defending champs and lost because they missed a a 59-yard field goal, I believe, in in a downpour rain. Outside of that, they've handled their business. They are 6-1 in the AFC. They lost opening day to the Dolphins. That's the only AFC opponent that has beat them this year. Since then, the Patriots have been hot. Point differential. They're the number one. They're, they're the number one team in terms of point differential, plus 146 points. They've given up the second fewest points. Bill Belichick is doing an amazing job. Again, Mac Jones is going to be offensive rookie of the year. Bill Belichick should be head coach of the year for the job that he's doing with this team. When everyone, like you said, was ready to say, "Oh, Brady won that dispute. Brady moved on to Tampa." And kudos to Brady for winning a Super Bowl in Tampa. But we can't forget that Belichick last year, with all of the guys that opted out with the instability at quarterback, still found a way to win seven games last year. Now you're giving them competent quarterback play. No disrespect to Cam Newton, but we see what Cam has looked like in Carolina in comparison to Mac Jones in New England. 
right now, immediately the difference. Again, they've already won more games than last year, and they still have five more games. This team is probably going to win 11 games. They've got a legitimate shot to not only win this division, they're second in the AFC. Imagine if Bill Belichick gets the number one seed in the AFC with a rookie quarterback. What 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 else can we say about the greatness of Bill Belichick? I mean, I mean, we, he's he's already the goat uh, as far as coaches go in in the NFL anyway. So you know that that isn't going to change anyway. But yeah, you know we've got to we 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 have to really take a serious look. You know, because actually, because you know, I've 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 been giving Tom Brady the edge, um, and I probably like have it right now at sixty forty. But I may have to go back down to 50-50, man, just because, you know, again, it it was an amazing thing. You know, Tom Brady going over to Tampa his first year there. They actually had a home Super Bowl game, and they go on to win the Super Bowl. But we can't act like Tom Brady went to the Chargers or Tom Brady went to uh, Baltimore, let's just say. You know what I'm saying? Where they don't have those weapons like that. Have wide receiver. Or, or, or any, you know, any of these teams that don't have have weapons. The the, the the Eagles could use wide receivers. Washington. There's so many teams. So we can't act like Tom Brady went to a bad team and took them to the Super Bowl. You know, Jameis Winston threw for 5,000 yards with that same offense Oh, but we're gonna minus Antonio Brown. We're gonna minus uh, Rob Gronkowski because those two guys weren't there. James and Leonard Fournette and Leonard Fournette was not there. <laughs> so those, you know, that guy threw for five thousand yards with that offense. Obviously, there's a difference as far as the turnovers go because he, was, I think, it was 30, he might have thirty thirty that year. Um, he, he went thirty thirty and not in a, not in a good way. Exactly. Not thirty for thirty. Not the ones we like. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it's a great accomplishment because at the end of the day, you still have to get the job done and winning the Super Bowl. But when you have those type of weapons surrounding you. That increases your chances largely because automatically, like we already knew they they were going to the playoffs. With, with that offense, you're going to the playoffs. But you know to get to the Super Bowl, yeah, it's it's it, it's not an easy thing. But again, you got there with three All Pro wide receivers. Uh, you know. And Rob Gronkowski is still one of the best tight ends in football. I don't care what anybody says. He might be says. the greatest tight end in history of the game. Exactly, he might be the goat tight end. You know what I mean? You want to argue Shannon Sharp? You want to argue Kelsey? Will probably get past him. I'm, Kelsey probably will just because of numbers wise, him being with, with Mahomes, so he he'll probably pass him. You want to say Tony Gonzalez though? But Rob Gronkowski is up there amongst those. He's not out of the top five all time, right? So you add that to, to the line. You add Leonard Fournette. We saw what Leonard Fournette just did four touchdowns uh, just yesterday. So when you when you when you put all of those all those things into perspective, it's like all right, yeah, you're you're set up to be successful. And then you look at the other side of that, Belichick is set up for failure because they haven't got nothing over there. Last year, you said they won seven games, and that was why we were still kind of unfamiliar with what we were going to do. Uh, you know, in regards to COVID, that whole situation, a lot of guys opted out. A lot of their starters opted out, so they didn't even have you know a good percentage of their starters last season. You got guys going in and out, and again, there's no quarterback because we don't even have Tom Brady anymore. So we're going through guys. We're trying to figure out what we're going to do. You know, Cam is there, but he's not. He got COVID, and things started going downhill from there. You know, then we come into this season. I, I, you know, I don't know if there's necessary. I don't know if there were playoff expectations on the Patriots going into this season. 
just because you, you, you're dealing with a rookie quarterback, a lot of guys are new in the system. I know they made they spent a lot of money in free agency coming into the season, uh, but it, 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 there wasn't a superstar, superstar that they brought into this organization. They didn't bring in, uh, you know, Odell to, to to play wide receiver or, you know, make a trade for, for Michael Thomas or one of these other guys. They didn't have it. They didn't bring in a top quarterback. They drafted a rookie quarterback who a lot of people – you know, we're down on a lot of people weren't weren't you know giving Mac Jones his, his respect. Everything was about Trevor Lawrence. He's that guy. He's the franchise guy. He's a, he's a guy you're gonna have on your team for a decade. Blah blah blah. It wasn't about him. Then it was you know the other guys, Justin Fields, and we got Trey Lance out here. Nobody was talking about Mac Jones like that. He probably had most people had Mac Jones as probably the fourth best out of that out of that class of, of QBs. And look what they are doing. And that is largely attributed to Bill Belichick, his system, his coaching staff. Absolutely. I, I think Bill doesn't get enough credit for what he does behind the scenes. And as you mentioned, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to see it yet, but the Tom Brady documentary that's streaming out of Man in the Arena. I'm going to watch it, though. I've, I've gone through the first two episodes. I believe episode three is out now. I haven't watched that one. But he is quick to say that early on it was Bill Belichick. And he's not the only one. Rodney Harrison's on there. Uh, Lawyer Malloy, Willie McGinnis, all of them talk about how early on in the beginning of this, what was to become the Patriot dynasty, Bill Belichick getting guys to understand circumstance in games, scenarios in games, situations in games that no other coach would even think about. And so that when those things would present themselves on Sunday, the Patriot players were always comfortable because it's like, oh, we've gone over this in practice. When no other coach is thinking about this, this is what Bill is thinking about. And so... I think that we forget, of course, Brady has been amazing. We can never forget 28-3 against Atlanta. We can never forget the 10-point comeback against the Legion in Seattle. Right. We we can never forget those moments, right? But we also can't forget the fact that they beat the greatest show on turf because of Belichick's defensive scheme. When they beat the Rams the second time, Brady only threw for about 140 yards. That That was Belichick's defense slowing down Sean McVay's offense. Right. When they beat that Eagle team with McNabb and T.O., you look back at the footage, that's their defense suffocating the Eagles and allowing Brady to play on a short field and and then just take advantage of the short fields. So Belichick was like you said, it's 60, 40 to me. I always thought it was 50, 50. And I even leaned a little bit more towards Belichick because there were way more games that I thought you don't win without Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is the only coach that I've ever seen that could frustrate Peyton Manning who most people consider the smartest quarterback to ever play the game, Belichick knew how to frustrate him when no one else knew how to do it. Belichick is the architect of that defense that shut down that 1990 Buffalo Bills team, which is one of the greatest offenses ever, and helped the Giants win the Super Bowl. So we got to always give Belichick his credit. And like you said last year, they win seven games with uncertainty at the quarterback position and the fact that they had nine guys on their defense opt out. Yeah. I don't know if anyone thought they were going to be this good. I thought they had a legitimate shot to be a playoff team because they were going to get all those defensive guys back. But there's no way that I thought that they would be eight and four after 12 games and be leading the AFC East when we all thought Buffalo was a Super Bowl contender. The Patriots look better than Buffalo, and I expect the Patriots to play really well against them next week. Yeah, I, I agree a thousand percent. Don't be, do not be surprised if the Patriots win that game. Because I think it's Absolutely not. it's going to come down to, to to coaching. I truly believe it's going to come down to the coaching. And if we're going going head up, coach for coach, 
I'm gonna put my my money on Bill Belichick 99 out of 100 times because he's that great of a of a mind. And you know, you, you talked about those defenses. You know, we can't even forget. You know, when you talk about Loyal Malloy, you know, and Rodney Harrison, those are two of the best. You know, guys. You know, to play this the game. High laws, the Willie McGinnis. Yeah, like, yes, they had some he, guys. He coached up. He coached up a hell, a hell of a defense against any quarterback they've ever faced. The resume speaks for itself. And again, that's not to take anything away from Tom because Tom no, still had to execute on the field. But before Tom Brady was even in the conversation as a great quarterback, not just to go as a great quarterback, yeah. those early Patriot years were defined by Belichick's ability to come up with a scheme to slow down whoever they were playing. And can we actually, because we got to put this one more person that we got to put respect on his name as well when we're talking about, about, about this whole era of of amazing football, you know, that we got from the New England Patriots organization. But there's one guy that you gotta add in there, and that's Adam Vinatieri. Because the Adam Vinatieri Yes, he won a lot of games for the New England Patriots. And if he doesn't do his job, we don't look at Tom Brady or Bill Belichick the same way because a lot of those big wins came down to his leg. If he doesn't hit that if he doesn't make Either one of those kicks in the snow against the Raiders, the dynasty never starts. Yeah. The dynasty starts with his ability to make two kicks in the middle of a blizzard yes. <laughs> that allowed them to beat the Raiders and then ultimately go on. They end up beat Pittsburgh the next week. And then he makes the kick in the Super Bowl, one of his many Super Bowl winning kicks, because he also had another game winner the next time they got to the Super Bowl. Um, let's keep it NFL, this transition. Um, as we talked about, Patriots are hot right now. They're going up against Buffalo. Couple teams that aren't too hot, but also suffer some big time injuries this week. Uh, looks like Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook, two of the better running backs in all of football, will be done for the season. The Panthers have been struggling. They, they've lost two in a row after they won their first game with Cam back. The Vikings, whose offense is teetering on being very good, continue to find ways to lose. They lost again yesterday. Now they they might have lost their best offensive weapon. Somehow both these teams are right in the playoff mix. The Vikings are five and six. The Panthers are five and seven. Do you think either one of these teams can survive losing their running back for the way they have for the rest of the season? Well, I mean, the Panthers was already going. I, I thought it was over for them anyway. It just, we don't have to talk about them. As far so as the Cam, Vikings, you weren't go, impressed with Cam's five for twenty-one. Nah, not a, not at all. And, <laughs> and, and 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 you know that we've been his biggest advocates. Like we really want well for Cam Newton. We really want him to go and ball out because I still feel like he has years left. But he just hasn't impressed me, and we got to call a spade a spade on that one. You know what I'm saying? I'm not over here trying to shoot coke for nobody. If you don't perform, could if I if I if I'm on the show and I'm not and I'm not on my A game, y'all you're more than welcome to call me out and say, "Yo, trip, what's going on?" You know what I mean? So I, I may I can call you out. I can as much as I want you to win and do well. I gotta call you out. You know what I'm saying? When it's not that. Um, but as far as the Vikings go, um, I would say yes, they'll be good. Just because I feel like you know you can plug in. Uh, you know, a, a running back to just hold a space. Obviously, it's not going to be Dalvin Cook, but when you you still have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen out there, which actually works in my favor. You know what I mean? Because that'll just give my main man Justin Jefferson a few extra catches uh, moving forward. You know, for the season. Obviously, you can't replace a Dalvin Cook. You can't replace a Christian McCaffrey. Those are two of the top running backs in football. But I think Minnesota. Will be better. Will be better off than Carolina. Not that Minnesota is going to do anything great, because I mean, this at this point, their season is, season is over as well. So I'm not really looking for them to make a, any type of playoff push anyway. But 
you know, I think they'd, they'd actually be able to maintain better than Carolina just because you have Thielen and, and, and Jefferson still. I agree with that. The quarterback play is better in Minnesota. They still have two Pro Bowl caliber wide receivers. Um, Alexander Madison, who's, who's the backup running back, actually played well early in the season. I believe he had a 100-yard game against Cleveland the first time that Dalvin Cook was out. So at least they have a reliable backup. Granted, yes. he's not Dalvin Cook. Um, but as you mentioned, Carolina is in a really, really bad spot because the quarterback play there all season has been horrible. Sam Darnold obviously didn't realize he left the Jets because he was still playing the same way he did as if he was with the Jets. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cam Newton, man. We, we've been big supporters. I, I love the idea of him going back home. I did say that my only concern was, could he learn the playbook fast enough? But it's not even about the playbook now. It's really about the execution. You can't go five for 21. Like Cam, you're a former MVP. You're a professional. You've seen enough defenses. You you got to be better. Five for 21? Yeah. I don't even know what to say to that, bro. Yeah, I mean, like, that's almost impossible to do in Madden. Five for 21? Yeah, I, you got to be better than that, man. And and they and and they don't have anything close to a Justin Jefferson or an Adam Thielen. Yeah, but I mean, I, DJ Moore is a borderline Pro Bowl uh, receiver this year. Again, I, you you can check down a ball and get more than five completions. Yeah, you you could have been know just what's going on with that one. Yeah, you could have thrown a couple dump offs and a couple quick passes to the tight end and at least got yourself to about 10 for 21 and make it look a little more respectable. Five for 21 is really bad for a former MVP of the league, man. A little bit more football news before we transition over to the NBA. Your Giants. I see you got the hat on. Mm -hmm. Big inspirational win yesterday on Michael Strahan Day. First and foremost, man, I want to applaud you guys because you did it the right way for Michael Strahan. The, the ceremony was great. And I say that because down here in the D.C. area, people are still complaining about the way they, they did Sean Taylor Day, which was horrible. Yeah. Uh, but but the Giants did it the right way for one of their true legends. The video montage before the game and during the game was was phenomenal. Uh, you guys are still in the mix a little bit. You know, you're four and seven. You're not completely out of the mix. Saquon looks like he's getting his legs back under him and you're getting all your weapons back. Are you inspired by what, what took place yesterday? Do you think there's an outside shot of you maybe making some noise down the stretch here? Um, I'm, I'm not going to jump out the window <laughs> on that one. I don't jump out the window. Maybe just hang out a little bit. I'm hang not, out the window. I'm going to look. Bit. Yeah, I'll look. See anybody that way, anybody that way. Um, but, you know, first and foremost, you know, I had to wear the Giants hat today because we celebrated, you know, not only one of the greatest Giants of all time, but one of the greatest NFL players of all time, uh, you know, with Michael Strahan, a Super Bowl champion for us, you know, was somebody that was able to transition after football into playing, he might he's probably dating now. He's definitely making more money now than he was in the NFL because he he was before the big big checks started coming in. He's doing very well for himself. Yeah, so he's he's doing very well for himself right now. You know, and he's one of the the kings of 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 New York. Um, so big shout out to him. Big shout out to the Giants for winning a very tough division game. It's it's always a tough game when you're playing against the Eagles, when you're playing against the Cowboys, you know, even when you're playing against Washington, it's still it's still tough because those are those division games. So to get the win on that day after you know honoring Michael, like I, for me, you don't you don't win no more games. At least you put that respect and you got the W on the day that they honored that that New York Giants legend Michael Strahan. So that I'm I'm very proud of the the, the guys about. Um, moving forward. I, you know, 
I mean, the, the, you know, the Cowboys are starting to look like the Cowboys again. They've lost uh, two of their last three games. And, you know, it's bad losses, too. You know what I'm saying? Games that they should be winning. Uh, you know what I mean? So anything's possible in the division. Uh, you know, we just beat the Eagles, which is good as far as tiebreaker purposes goes. Because, again, you know, moving forward, you know, right now, we'll see how this Washington-Seattle uh, game goes and what the standings will look like next week. But there's still a lot of time left. The Giants, you know, they're not out of it. Um, you know, I just got to see guys stay healthy because we we just cannot get our full roster of players on the field. Somebody's – Slayton is out. Galladay is out. Uh, Shepard is always out. Ingram is out. You know, Saquon finally played two games in a row. I don't remember the last time Saquon played two games in a row. You know, uh, Bradbury's been out the last two weeks with COVID. You know, so guys are, are are just dropping like flies. I just need to see us get healthy. If we can actually stay healthy for the rest of the season. If we don't lose any more guys. Obviously, if guys come back, that'll be great as well. But if, as long as we don't lose any more guys... I think that you know we can we can do something. We can make a little bit of noise. At least make at least make the fans proud of it. You know what I'm saying? Make the fans happy. Let's end off the season strong. You still got division games left, which are going to be big, and there are still other division games, which will also you know kind of help depending on which way which way they go. Um, but if I had to, if I had to put my money on the line. I probably say the Cowboys should get the job done to win the division. I don't think they do anything in the playoffs, but I think it just because they're so far uh, far ahead, you know, I think that they should. But it's the Cowboys. Who knows? They, they they've been known to to throw a wrench in their own game. Yeah, the, the Cowboys, uh, their defense, I guess, is getting flashbacks from last season because it's looking like last year's defense where you could just drop thirty on them uh, with no problem. Mm-hmm. And Dak hasn't played well either. Dak's got to play a little better. All those things we saw early in the season. Now, to be fair, they played on Thursday on Thanksgiving without both their top receivers because C.D. Lamb had the concussion and Amari Cooper was in COVID protocol. They expect to have them both back uh, next week. But the Cowboys got to play better defensively. I will say this about the Giants, though, because I had to go back and, and look a little bit. The Giants have actually played pretty well the last five weeks. I want to give you a quick rundown. You guys beat the Panthers at home. You had the close loss to Kansas City, which... A, a penalty or two might have changed that game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, then you beat the Raiders. You had the, the ugly loss to Tampa, and then you bounce back and beat Philly. So that was your last five. Your last six games of the season, four of those six are on the road. You've got three divisional games, but you got some winnable games. And if you can get through the next two weeks, I think there's a possibility they make a little noise. I don't know if they make enough noise to win the division, but because that bottom half of the playoff and uh, the NFC is so wide open, you could make a little noise. Your next six, you got Miami, you got the Chargers. Those are both on the road. Then you got Dallas, Philly, Chicago, and Washington. So three of your last four in the division. If you could find a way to get through the next two games and put yourself in position going into that stretch where you have three or four within the division, you give yourself a shot. I'm not counting them out because I still like the giant defense, and it showed up again yesterday. So that's why I'm still giving them a slight advantage, maybe getting rid of Jason Garrett, though I'm not a big fan of Freddie Kitchens either, but maybe getting rid of Jason Garrett is what you guys needed offensively to get a little better. The division to me, though, is, is not is, is not locked up completely because, again, like you said, Dallas isn't that good. Philly's inconsistent. Washington, they're coming off two good games, but I don't expect them to play well tonight. You might find yourself going into the last two weeks of the season 
in range of making the playoffs if you can get healthy and get enough production from your offense. Yeah, I mean, listen, I can definitely see it. And obviously, you know, I would want for that to be the case. You know what I mean? Us winning a division, that would be great. Giants haven't won a division in a long time. Um, but, you know, they, they, they have got to get some type of consistency. Maybe Saquon, you know, continuing to stay healthy helps with that a lot because he does change the dynamic of the game when he's on when he's on the field. Obviously, he has to start getting back to what we've come to know of Saquon and, and his abilities. So we have to get to that point. But the only thing that's going to get him to that point is actually being on the field and, you know, cons- consecutively playing football games. So, you know, y- y- you make some great points. Again, I would love to see it. Um, you know what? We just gonna, I'm going to go with what you said, Eric. That's it. I'm just going with what I'm, you said. I'm just saying because you look at the – you you look at right like we get caught up with the with the better teams in the NFC. Now, granted, Cowboys haven't been playing well. The Rams haven't been playing well. Tampa Bay's been kind of off and on. Um, Arizona, hot, but is Kyler Murray ever going to get healthy? Like they're not a Super Bowl contender without Kyler Murray. No, the best team in the NFC, I think, right now is Green Bay. They've been the most consistent. But in terms of the playoffs, you guys are four and seven. You guys are only one game back of Minnesota, who currently holds the seventh the seventh spot. So, yeah. like I said, we know for, for his great, say that again. So you know how fickle you know Minnesota's been. So it's not like the, they'll shoot themselves in the foot before anything. These these are the teams that are directly ahead of you. Like I said, from slot seven, which is the last playoff spot, to slot thirteen, where the Giants are right now. There's one game that separates all those teams. Here are the teams that are in front of you. This is going to give you a lot more confidence in everything I said. Minnesota's at seven, right behind Minnesota. You got Atlanta, you got New Orleans, you got Philly, you got Carolina, you got Washington. Those are the teams in front of you. None of those teams are are consistent enough to make you think, yeah, man, it's going to be tough to make up that ground. You guys, if you come through the next two weeks, I'm telling you right now, if you guys find a way to come through the next two weeks, I would not be surprised if you guys are sitting in a seventh spot two weeks from now when we get together. You know what? That might actually... (laughs) Now that you now that you make you break it down like that, I'm telling you, man, it's right there. All right, I'm, I'm back all in. I'm all, I'm all the way out the window. I just did it. I'm all out the window. Hey, all right, there we go. There I'm we go. The um, uh, and 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 then the other team that's near and dear to your heart, the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, very sloppy yesterday, but still found a way to win. Yeah, they're coming off back to back weeks where they struggled. Uh, obviously, last week, no, no, uh, Lamar, but they found a way to win on the road. Yeah. They win yesterday. They got a big game coming up against Cleveland. Should we be a little concerned with Baltimore, though? I know they're 8-3. and three, They're number one in the AFC. But the crazy thing is, right, you and I called out the receivers a few weeks ago. And then the receivers started playing better. Then we started giving them praise. And now they haven't played better. Yeah. Should we go back to criticizing them? I think we have to go back to criticizing them if we uh, want them to continue to get better. Because, you know, it seems like once we let up you know, on them, they, they kind of revert back to what they were doing before. Um, I will say this, though. The fact that they were able to win the last two weeks gives me confidence. Okay, the reason I say that is because, again, last week, no Lamar Jackson. We already know it. You know what I mean? And then this week, you have a four-interception game, which doesn't happen with Lamar Jackson that often. You know what I mean? He's not just out here just throwing picks and turning over the football like that. I don't think we'll see another performance like that from him. Um, But... 
they, you know, they do have to be cautious of that. You know what I mean? You don't want to start setting them trends where you're just turning over the football. But the fact that the defense has been stepping up with losing the guys that they've already lost on the defensive end of the football and guys have kind of been plug and play, there are holes off the line. We don't have the best or arguably the best left tackle in football playing right now. Uh, Ronnie Staley, he's, he's he's done for the season. That's true. Along you know, with with all the running backs that were lost this year too. Exactly. Oh, and then did we mention we lost one of the the top cornerbacks in the in the league too to start the season in Marcus Peters? Great point. Great point. You know, so the fact that they were able to win and kind of gut it out the way they did the, the last two weeks, I'm I'm very excited about being a, a fan of the of the Baltimore Ravens right now because it's those things that are going to help your team because you know, listen. As great as Tom Brady is, as great as Peyton Manning is, as great as Drew Brees, you know, all of these guys, Elway, every game, those guys didn't throw for 500 yards and five touchdowns. Sometimes the defense stepped it up. Sometimes they didn't score a touchdown, but the kicker made five field goals. You know what I mean? Sometimes the running back just went off that game and ran for for 180 yards and four touchdowns. You know what I mean? So... You have to be able to win even when your best guys aren't playing up to their best abilities. So I really love what I'm seeing from the Ravens right now. And and, and I love the fact that immediately after the game, Lamar Jackson took accountability for itself and said, I cannot turn over the ball the way I did. Um, it just shows me how much of a leader he is. And I think you know that, that mentality there is, is also going to get that team even stronger. Um, you know, I, I like what I'm seeing from Rashad Bateman. I think he has potential to be a good wide receiver in this league. And I, I don't know about great, but I think he can be good in this league. Hollywood Brown, you know, he's he's hit or miss with us. But potential-wise, he has the potential to be a good wide receiver. And we know what we have with Mark Andrews. He's one of the top tight ends in football. He's been that for the last probably three seasons. Okay, the running game, guys are plug and play. You go up in there, you're going to get a touchdown and some yardage. That's how, that's how the running game works. The, the Baltimore Ravens running game is like the, the, the Bill Belichick system. You plug anybody up in there, and we're going to get you some, 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 some numbers, some yards. We're going to get you 100 yards at least a game. I don't know how we're going to do it. It might be one guy, maybe two, maybe three, maybe Lamar Jackson, but we're going to get you them, them, them rushing yards. I like what I'm seeing from Baltimore right now. I think, you know, and then also, you know, Lamar Jackson still coming in off of, off of you know, being out from a week ago. So he might have even been still, you know, getting his, his win back, you know, so to speak. And I think he'll be fine moving forward. I love what I'm seeing from Baltimore. Um, I'm hoping they continue to do what they're doing because I would love to see the road to the Super Bowl go through Baltimore. And I think that would be great for the Ravens. But it's a valid point. Like you said, he, he was out last week, so it's a possibility he was a little rusty this week. And we can't take uh, anything away from that Cleveland defense. Uh, though they've struggled offensively, the Cleveland defense is still pretty good. Yeah. Um, but we're going to learn a lot about Baltimore the next few weeks because there are no cupcakes left on the schedule. Uh, they go up against Pittsburgh next week. Granted, Pittsburgh's really banged up, but it's a rivalry game. You expect Pittsburgh Division, yep. to, to wake up and show up for that game. After that, they get the Browns again, who are going to be desperate because if the Browns want to make the playoffs, they're going to have to win one of those games against Baltimore. Then you got Green Bay, you got the Bengals, you got the Rams, and then you got the Steelers again. So the rest of the way for the Ravens is going to tell us a lot, not only about if they're really a Super Bowl contender, but if they can hold on to that number one seed. Because as you and I mentioned, that Patriot game in, in Buffalo coming up, the winner of that 
could get the inside track to being the number one overall seed. And if you're Baltimore, you want to make your road easier, make everyone come through M&T Bank Stadium yes. as opposed to having to go somewhere else. So we're going to learn a lot about them, man. That's, um, why, let's get that's it. why these 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 two wins were so important, though. Because you go back at the end of the season and you, and you say, all right, well, well, New England won over here, but because we won those two games right there, one without Lamar Jackson and one with Lamar Jackson had four interceptions, that actually took us over the hump, and we were able to get home field. Yeah, it's a great point. Uh, let's get into a little NBA talk, man. We got some news to, to get into, especially in the New York City area. Um, first and foremost, I want to give an update, though, because I know it's everyone's talking about it. It's on social media. Tonight, the Joker and the Nuggets were going to Miami. The Joker brothers were sitting courtside just in case things went left. Right now, things have not gone left except on the scoreboard because the Nuggets are, are kind of putting it to the heat right now. Uh, they're up 17 points late in the third quarter right now. Um, but speaking of the Nuggets, since we're on them as well, Michael Porter Jr., a player that I, I think the world of. I think he's a really good player, but unfortunately, it looks like the injury is starting to catch up to him. He's having back surgery. He's going to be out indefinitely. It's a scary thing, man. He's 23 years old. This is his second major back surgery already, Trip. Are we seeing a player who's possibly damaged goods? I don't want to say that just yet um, because I really like Michael Porter Jr. I think he has potential to be really good. We've seen we've seen it in spurts when he's been healthy and been able to play. But another, because this is what he was dealing with before was the back. And, you know, we saw a, a, a back injury take a six foot uh 10 six 11 all nba all defense uh you know dwight howard from superman to clark kent you know those back injuries ain't nothing to play with you know when you got to jump you know now his game isn't predicated off of athleticism he's more of a finesse player anyway but if your back is messed up, it's going to be hard no matter what style of basketball you play. So I really hope that this be the last thing they can just flourish in his career. Um, you know, I like the kid. He's a good kid. You know what I mean? Like, And, and I, I want to see all, all, all our young young brothers and sisters doing well. So I don't want to see this kid, you know, be out the league because he just couldn't stay healthy. Um, you know, I, I still miss Brandon Roy and what he brought to the league when he was here. You know what I'm saying? Like, Brandon Roy was the top shooting guard during his time in Portland. He just could not stay healthy. You know, Grant Hill. Grant Hill would probably be one of the 75 greatest players of all time if he didn't deal with all the injuries that he dealt with, his, you know, over his career. You know, T-Mac dealt with a lot of injuries. A lot of, a lot of guys that, you know, were great NBA players and probably would be ranked higher in the record books you know, they just weren't there because they could not stay healthy, you know. So I really want to see this kid stay healthy. Um, you know, just look at Joel Embiid. He's doing, He's you know, he's he's been doing well for himself, you know, to the point where he's gotten to MVP level. He's somebody that dealt with, with injuries early on in his career, you know. So I really want to see this kid get better. And then, on the, you know, for the Denver Nuggets, he brings a whole different element to the game. Like, I, you know, for them, yeah. for, for their sake, it's, it's, it's a good thing they did sign um, – What's oh, the kid from from Aaron Gordon? Aaron Gordon. Yeah, it was a good good thing they signed Aaron Gordon because you know you don't have Michael Porter Jr. And again, six foot ten, a guy that can do what he does. You know, obviously he's not Kevin Durant, but I'm just talking about from the size 
wise and the things that he can do. You know, he's a much better shooter than Ben Simmons. You know what I'm saying? He's not afraid of the, of the moment. He just has to stay on the court. Sucks for them because they're already still without Jamal Murray. Obviously, they don't need him tonight in Denver, you know, but just to, to get, you know, tie this thing all together and to get back to the situation with the Jokic uh, brothers uh, being at the game, I love it. I love it because the only, you know, that whole thing came about because, you know, the other Morris brother had made some comments on, on Twitter about it. And it's like, bruh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, your brother was in the wrong. You know, he started this whole thing. Like, you took a cheap shot on somebody thinking, you know, whatever. I don't know if you thought he was soft and he wasn't going get, to get back at you. But he got back at you. You know, unfortunately, you got hurt. I think he's still out. I don't think he's playing tonight either. He's still he's still injured. Nah, he's not out there. He's not out there tonight. Um, you know what I'm saying? So that part of it is unfortunate. But you started the whole situation. You caused all of this to happen. That only happened. If you don't run up the court, because if you if if Morris runs up the court, hits uh, Jokic like he did, Jokic falls, gets injured, anything like that, you know what I'm saying? Now we're looking at the situation like, yo, bro, come on, what are you doing again? Because these guys, the Morris Twins are kind of known for, you know, that style of basketball. So it'll be like, yo, really, again with this? You know, now you on the other side of that, though. Now you done got hurt. You missing some time. And I get it. You know, your brother wants to step up for you. And, you know, that's when you got a brother, that's just how it is. I don't give a damn how wrong he is in the moment. I'm going to ride with him to the very end of this thing. And then when we get into, you know, when it's just us, I'm like, yo, come on, bro. You know you know you was wrong for that. You know what I'm saying? But in the public or anybody's around, I'm going wholeheartedly stand by my brother no matter what. You know what I mean? And that's that's what would happen. And you know what? Jokic got some brothers too, and them some big boys. Because one, right. one of the brothers look like he about seven foot tall, the other one look like he about six ten, six eleven. You know what I mean? And I get it. They wanted to be there for their brother. So they, you know, they bought tickets and said, just in case. You know, anybody want to get crazy? Hey, you know it is what it is. That's my brother. That's what you do. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And <laughs> you that's not. Wanna... That's what you're supposed to do. It and and you know you brought you bring up a great point too because the initial cheap shot. If Joker gets hurt or if something happens there, you know, and then like I said, now it's a whole nother conversation where it's like, wow, you really took out the MVP of the league. And we can't pretend like those things have never happened before because. It was kind of a dirty play that Pat Beverly had that injured Russell Westbrook the yep. first time that he got injured when he injured his knee. You know what I'm saying? So those are the type of things that quote unquote the these enforcers, right? These enforcers of the league try to do to intimidate guys. But if it goes left, now you could be robbing a guy of of his prime because now you injured him. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like I said, if he he hits Joker in the ribs and and Joker twists the ankle the wrong way or, or twists the knee the wrong way, and now he's out for an extended period of time, and it's like wow. So now the MVP of the league got to be out. Because you wanted to do a dirty play, um, you know. So I I agree with what Joker did. I, I agree with the league suspending him as well. But I yeah, agree with what Joker did. You you gotta stand your ground. I can't let you get that cheap one on me and then turn your back on me and assign a sign of disrespect. Because as you know, where we come from, if you do something to me and then just give me your back, you basically saying I, I you you're not a threat to me. You don't yeah. give nobody your back after you do something like that. So how my man my that. man Claude uh no my man Ray Ray uh, Gibson said on uh on life. He said, you, you, you S-O-F, capital T. That's how you feel about that, man. If you turn right. your back, you, you take a cheap shot at somebody and then turn your back and try to try to jog off gingerly, you saying that man is S-O-F, capital right. T. And you got right. what you had coming to you. So 
I ain't mad at that. Shout out to Jokic for standing up be. and defending himself. You know, listen, that's how I go sometime. And hey, unfortunately, that man got hurt, but it is what it is. You put yourself in a position because once again, the way I respond to the BS that you do, hey, it is what it is. I don't care if you, if you do something to me on a, on a, on a two scale, and I come back at you with a ten. That's your fault because you shouldn't have came at me because how I respond is how I respond. It is what it is. Yep, exactly. In terms of Michael Porter Jr., though, I am I'm I'm worried for the kid, man. I like him a lot. Uh, there's footage circulating out there, Trip, where you were making fun of me um, when the Knicks took Kevin Knox over Michael Porter Jr. Because I, I always go back to that night. I was on the couch there on set saying, "Take Michael Porter Jr." We end up taking Kevin Knox. The story goes: everyone was scared off by the medicals because he had already had a back surgery in college. Here we are a few years later, five years later, I believe, to be exact. Now, another back surgery. He did get paid this offseason. He signed five years, 170 mil. So he's got the money. He's got the security. But bigger than that, I would love to see the kid live up to his potential. This was a guy coming out of high school, was the number one rated player in the country. When he went to college at Missouri, he was expected to be the number one overall pick. Injuries robbed him of that opportunity. Now I think we're starting to see injuries rob him again. And as, as you highlighted the other players, these are guys that we all put the what if next to. What if Derrick Rose never got hurt? What if Tracy McGrady, Grant Hill, Penny Hardaway, what if those guys never got hurt? What if Brandon Roy was healthy when Dame Lillard got there to Portland? What they could have been. So, like you said, they've got already the MVP of the league. They've got an all-star in Jamal Murray. Michael Porter Jr. could have been the missing piece to make this Denver team really special in the Western Conference. And unfortunately, now we got to take a wait-and-see approach and hope that he recovers from this second back surgery. Yeah, and that's again, that's you know, when you talk about going back to to old injuries and you got to do that thing over again, that's tough, man. So again, you know, prayers up for for Michael Porter Jr. I hope he can't come back and be better than ever. You know, but we gotta again, we gotta wait and see, like you said. Yes, sir. Let's speed this thing up, but we're gonna keep it NBA, man. Um, let's take it home, man. Knicks, Nets, both in the news for different reasons. Not bad reasons, but things going on with the roster. The Nets. Been playing some good ball. KD, to me, looks like the MVP of the league, but he's going to lose one of his best shooters. Joe Harris is out right now with an ankle injury. They're saying four to eight weeks, but there's possibility he could come back sooner. Crosstown, the Knicks coming off a big win in Atlanta. But the news came out today that Tibbs is saying, look, Kemba's struggling, and not only will he not be starting, he's out of the rotation now. What do we make of both these situations for two teams that have playoff aspirations and for Brooklyn they have title aspirations. For for Brooklyn I'm you know I'm not really too concerned um about Joe Harris being out for a month. They're in first place right now and they got Kevin Durant playing like Kevin Durant, uh playing like the MVP of this league. Obviously, you know, I'd like to see James Harden back up to, you know, to maybe 25, 26 a game. But if you're in first place, what can I really say? You're doing what you're supposed to do. You have the number one seed. You have home court advantage. The playoffs started right now. You'd have home court advantage throughout. You know what I mean? So what can I really say, you know, about that? He's he's facilitating more, uh, trying to run the offense. You know, so if he's not scoring as much and they're winning, hey, it is what it is. If if they start losing, start dipping and dropping in the standings, then we'll have we'll revisit that conversation. But I can't knock I can't knock the hustle if if the Nets are in first place. Uh, as far as the Knicks go. Uh, and Kemba, I mean, they got they got him for the, they got him for the low. So, you know, it's not like you know they paying him thirty three million a year, 
or something like that, and he's not playing, you know, up to living up to expectations. Um, I don't know why he's struggling. I can't call it. Um, I want I want Kimba to do well in New York just because he's from here. You know what I mean? So I want him to do well, but I mean, damn, the fact that he's out of the rotation that that does not sit well with me at all. Um, you know, I know guy other guys are stepping up, but I just thought Kimba would would be better than this. I don't I don't know is something going on, you know, mentally or, or whatever or phys- whatever it is physically. I I hope he gets it together because you know not starting is one thing, but when you talk about he's out of the rotation and this is a guy who three years ago was was All NBA, uh, you know, third team, but you know most of the league won't will go. Most of the NBA players, period, go careers without making any All-NBA team. So the fact that he was able to accomplish that, you know, with Charlotte speaks volumes on his potential. But if you are out of that rotation right now, that is not a good sign. And he's going to have to figure out what's going on. They're going to have to get some type of help in there because he's, in reality, Kimba should probably be the best player on that team. I'm saying Derrick Rose in his prime well, obviously will be better, but I'm saying just right now, coming from where we where we are, you know him him being All NBA right before coming to the Knicks and whatnot, the caliber player, he should probably be their best player. I think if we were talking that Kemba from three years ago that was on an All NBA team, yeah, but you know the injuries in Boston have started to add up a little bit, and it's and it's carried over because he's missed a couple games with the Knicks where they kind of giving him rest, yeah, uh, for the for the knee, but. I think the bigger issue here is his lack of commitment on the defensive end. And that's why I, I respect Tibbs' decision. I love Kimber Walker. I was excited to get him. Uh, hometown kid coming back. We know what he can do. He's a guy who's not afraid of the moment. We knew playing in New York would not be too big for him. But just looking at the numbers, I, I can see why Tibbs feels this way. And I think Kimba will work his way back into the rotation, as, as you highlighted there's too much talent in that guy to not play basketball. Like, there's no way you're you going to tell me that there's nine guys, ten guys on the Nick roster who are better than Kemba Walker. Yeah. He's going to find a way on the court. The real issue is, or the real question is, will he make a commitment to defense? Offensively, he's having the worst year of his career. He's only averaging 11 points a game. And I'm not too surprised because the offense runs through Julius Randle. You added Evan Fournier. R.J. Barrett got to get his shots. Emmanuel quickly got to get his shots. Obi Toppin has been a pleasant surprise coming off the bench. He's got to get his shots. So you expect Derrick Rose. Derek Rose, right? So you expect, all right, Kimba's not going to get 15 shots a night. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be down a little bit. But the thing that really stuck out to me was the per 100 possession over 36 minutes numbers. This starting lineup with Kimba Walker, they're getting outscored by 15 points a game per 100 possessions. Any lineup with Kimball Walker included in it, even if it's not just starters, even if it's Kimball in the bench, they're getting outscored by 11 points. But every other lineup that does not include Kimball Walker is a plus. They beat Atlanta uh, the other night. Kimball didn't play at all. And that might have been one of their best defensive efforts of the year. I think they held Atlanta to 92. Yeah. So I think that's why Tibbs came to this conclusion. I think he looked at it and said, as much talent as there is in Kimball Walker, he has become such a liability defensively that it's affecting everything else we do because this that's Tibbs' meat and potatoes. Yeah. His foundation is built on the defense. This Nick team was able to become a fourth seed last year by playing really good defense and then finding ways to score on the offensive end. They, they haven't been able to do that because Kimba has become such a liability and Kimba's got to make that commitment there. I think if Kimba makes a commitment and says, look, I'm willing to be 
a tougher defensive player, especially at the top of the key, and give us some opportunities, then all right, you'll get back in the rotation. But it's hard for me to give you minutes when we've got Derrick Rose, we've got Emmanuel Quickly, we got Alec Burks, we got RJ Barrett, we got Evan Fournier. I just gave you five guards that are on our team that can all shoot the ball as well as play some decent defense. Kemba Walker's got to play better defensively. Yeah, and you know what happens is it's one thing if we get in the uh, the Kemba Walker that's that's averaging twenty plus points a game and not playing defense. It's a whole other thing when you're only giving us eleven points and you're not playing defense. Then it's like, all right, bro, some some got to give. We need to, you know, sit you down for a second, rework this whole situation, and figure out where we go because we're gonna have to start making that playoff push soon. So if that means sitting him right now to get it through his head, like, listen, bro, you got to step your game up on the defensive end as well. I'll I'll accept the eleven points a game, even though I would I'm expecting more from you. But I'll still accept that if you're playing defense and you're actually helping us win basketball games. Right now, you're not doing that. I need you to sit down and figure this thing out, and then hopefully by you know All Star you know break, he'll he'll be ready to get back into the starting lineup. Yeah, and I don't think they're, they're looking to trade him. I, I heard some people saying that like, could he be? Uh, trade bait. I don't think that's where they're going with it. I think Tibbs is trying to inspire him, as you mentioned. If you're only giving us 11 on offense, okay, but you got to be better on defense. It, yeah. We can't have it both ways. You can't be having a, a career low offensively and still struggling defensively because there are other guys who I can give these minutes to who can give us more. A nice. um, little bit of baseball news. Yeah, I mean, every time I get disappointed in this team trip, they just pull me back in. It, they just, it was an, an analogy I was about to use, but I, we're a family friendly show, so I'm going to leave it alone. <laughs> but the New York Mets, they've done it to me again, Trip. Max Scherzer, along with Sterling Marte, along with Eduardo Escobar. Oh, man, I feel, I feel, I feel like we back, baby. I feel like, man, Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom together. This is the second um, year in a row they, they had a big three signing. Yeah, we got Lindor Lash, and the rumor is they're not done, that they want to bring back Javi Baez. I don't know what that number's going to look like, though, because Javi Baez is going to command 25 maybe $30 million on the open market. So yeah. we got to see that. Well, yeah, listen, I, when I saw it today, I was like, what? I was like, damn, why the Yankees didn't get him? <laughs> well, and, and I thought about that, too, especially when I saw that it was only a three-year deal. Because my concern was when I first heard the rumors, I'm like, man, Scherz is up there. I didn't know his exact age, but I knew he was in his late 30s. Yeah. He's 37. So I'm like, I don't want to give him a five or six year deal. The three year deal, even though the, the annual number seems crazy, but at a three year deal, it's really a two year because after the second year, there's an opt out. Yeah. I'll take it. And I, I love the move. Absolutely. I love the move from that standpoint because you're basically saying, look, we're all in for the next two years with Scherzer and DeGrom to try to lead us and get us over the top. Yeah. I like the move. Um, again, it got to play out on the field because DeGrom was, was a little injured last year. We're probably going to lose Conforto, who I like, but Conforto didn't play well last year at all. Yeah, and you guys lose Thor as well. Yeah, we. but I, I don't mind losing Thor because Thor had missed pretty much the last two years, and I, I think he had peaked for us already. I think for, for as talented as he is, the, the book was already out on him. You know, He's a guy who throws very hard but doesn't bring much else to the table. Yeah, I don't mind that. Scherz is a proven commodity. Scherz is a guy who's won a World Series. Absolutely. 
Scherzer is a guy who competes every 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 day. He's on the mound. And being able to align him and DeGrom back-to-back now gives you an opportunity every time to, you know, those two guys pitching, you got a great shot to win. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I love the move for you guys. And, again, you got it at, at a short, uh, you know, short deal. Three years, he's 37, he'll be 40 when the deal is up, maybe even 39. So you could possibly even even get away with that last, uh, you know, 40, 43 million. I love it, man. I'm looking forward to seeing what the Yankees are going to do. Yeah, Yankees have been quiet so far, but I don't know how long that's going to last. I, I think the Yankees are going to be on the market as well. I think they wanted to see some of these high price guys go first, but we're I expect gonna, you guys to get active. We're going to see it this week because you know they can't they can't let the Mets get, get too much fun. You know what I'm saying? They're not. So they got to yeah, announce yeah. that. So. Not. I, I, I really I, – I know your outfield is packed, but I know Conforto is a guy that you, you guys always had your eye on. So I wouldn't be surprised if they try to see, you know, what could be done there. But we, we got to wait and see. A um, little bit of boxing news before we wrap up, man. We saw a stunner. It was a, it was a fight of the year candidate, but one of the biggest upsets in boxing history. Um, Teofimo Lopez, not even a full year removed from his upset of Lomachenko, was outclassed by George Cambosis. Yeah. Um, and, and truly outclassed. I thought it was a great fight, but I also thought Teofimo Lopez took this very lighthearted and it showed he he got embarrassed a little bit especially in those later rounds what were your thought on, thoughts on the fight well my my first thought was damn son you messing up for brooklyn right now that's always anytime somebody from brooklyn lose that's always my first thoughts like damn bro it's like, really what it comes down to right yeah it, i'm sorry man i gotta keep, keep, it, keep it real man i was like damn yo how you gonna let the let, let the hood down like that man you was you was there bro um but you're right man I don't think I think this 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 might have been, you know, a bad decision for him. You know, I if I'm a boxer, I'm going into every fight with the mentality that Mike Tyson is is coming at me. I'm sorry, I'm not taking nobody lightly because guess what? And 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 we've seen this plenty of times. It don't take but one punch to get you up out of there. So if I'm a boxer, every time I get into the ring. And I look across, I'm gonna see Mike Tyson. I don't care if I'm ba- if I'm boxing five two, you know, Rob Jackson from from the Bronx, or I'm 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 boxing six feet five three hundred thirty pound, you know, Jake from, from from State Farm, whoever it is, I'm going in and I'm telling myself Mike Tyson is coming to kill me. <laughs> He's gonna eat my kids. Okay, I don't know what's gonna happen, but I gotta go into the fight like this. And and I'm taking this thing very seriously. Obviously, that wasn't the case, and and and, and he was upset. Um, you know, and this is a kid that we had just nominated on the, on the Next Up Award on the show at the Rifties. You know what I mean? So I would like to see him bounce back from this, and you can always bounce back. Um, but moving forward, you better take everything seriously. Um, ain't no, I don't care who the opponent is, whether you feel like you're better than them, you know them, you should beat them. I don't want to hear none of that. You prepare for everybody the same way because anything can happen when you are in that that ring. Yeah. Um, there were some things that I, I read up and, and heard about um, Teofimo after the fight that should have been red flags for all of us. But, again, these things that didn't really come out. Um, he's going through a very ugly divorce with his wife. Mm. He's also having financial problems, which came as a shock to me because – I know the the fight against um, Lomachenko was his biggest payday. I think he made 
one and a half, maybe two millionaire. That fight was just a year ago. Yeah. And well, listen, he, we don't know what is what his financial situation no, no, no. is going into. Well, so. Right. I don't right, exactly. That's a great point. I don't know what it was before then, but I heard he said himself that before he got the check for this fight, he was down as like his last twenty thousand in the bank. Which to me just sounds crazy. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a management thing. Like you said, I don't know if that's something from a pre existing debt and maybe that big payday just kind of paid off whatever he had. Yeah. But um that's a lot of I money that, though. Like I'm that's I'm just big of a debt. Like you, you just fought Lomachenko in January. Yeah, that's a lot. So I you know, and you would think that after beating Lomachenko, even if you had a lot of debt before that fight, you know, now you got new sponsors, you're a household name, you're parading around the country with the belts. You know, there would have been a lot of income and revenue just yeah, kind of streaming in at this point. You know, right. autograph signing things so, like that. Merch. So I was a little I was a little surprised to hear all that. And then he himself also said that he struggled to make weight. So for me, my concern with Tiafimo is not only this loss, which is very shocking, but his mindset moving forward. Uh some guys, man, and, and this is why we praise the guys like Floyd Mayweather who get to the mountaintop and then are able to mentally stay focused to stay there. Some guys get to the mountaintop. And then that's all they ever wanted, and they don't know how to sustain it. Um, I hope Teofimo Lopez doesn't go down on that list of guys similar to a Buster Douglas who had their moment and then never got it back again. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so I, I hope the best for the kid. He's probably going to move up to 140. I don't know if he takes the rematch. He may take it for pride. But I have a feeling he's going to move up to 140 and start taking some bigger paydays there. But ultimately, he's got to get his mind right, man, because he's a super talented fighter. He's a guy who was on some people's pound for pound list. And obviously, he was considered the best lightweight in the world. Yeah. And in his first title defense, he got outclassed in front of his home crowd. Yeah, it's tough, man. Shout out to we got to see. Bounce back. Um, Trip, before you shout out the sponsors, because there was some breaking news as we started recording. A um, little bit of college football news. Brian Kelly is leaving Notre Dame in a surprise move. He's going to LSU. Notre Dame right now actually has a shot to be in a college football playoffs. They're 11 and one. They're the number six uh, ranked team coming out of this weekend. The new rankings haven't come out yet, but they have an outside shot of getting into the playoffs. I know we didn't prepare to talk about this, but that's a little surprising that he would announce he's leaving now as this yeah. team prepares for potentially a bowl game and maybe even a playoff game. Well, he probably, he probably was like, you know, you got some boys from Alabama in, in this thing. And we probably don't got a chance in hell. So let me just get up out of here now and get to the bigger conference. Well, so yes and no, right? Maybe, maybe the thinking is, look, we're not, we're not going to win it all anyway. But you're going to the SEC now anyway. So you're going to be facing Alabama every year moving forward. You're competing yeah. not only on the field against Nick Saban, but you're also competing against them off the field as you try to recruit to get LSU back to where they were a few years ago. Yeah. So it's gonna be a tough job. Yeah, that, that, it, it's a bit weird. Um, you know, I kind of I, I feel a little bit bad for the players because you know it sucks, especially when you're having that kind of a season, eleven and one, and your coach, you know, just ups and I, I'm, I'm deuces, I'm going to LSU. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that 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 uh that really uh sucks. <sighs> you know, I can't I can't call it on that one, bro. Can we actually can we shout out uh you know. One 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 of the newest, but 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 in my opinion, one of the best coaches, uh, right now who was just uh named uh, coach of the year, fresh off the injury list, 
uh, Dion, Neon, Dion Sanders, Prime Time. Can we shout out Prime Time on uh, on on getting that Coach of the Year, man? Always, always. We we love and respect Dion, and we we love what he's doing down there at Jackson State. So kudos to him. I believe his his uh, son was voted Player of the Year in the SWAC uh, conference as well. Yes, yes, he was. So, so, big so shout out to his kudos son. to the Sanders family, man. They 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 win and they doing things and uh, Jackson State man, you gotta love it. You know, I, I just want to again tip my hat to Deion Sanders, um, because he has brought so much notoriety to HBCUs. Um, you, you know, you ha- you gotta applaud this man for what he he's done. He could be doing anything he wants right now getting paid whatever amount of money he wants right now. But he says, you know what? I'm going to take a coaching job at, you know, at one of these schools, one of these black historic, historically black colleges, and I'm going to turn this thing around. And this is probably the most media attention that I should probably may even be ever the HBCUs have ever had because of Deion Sanders and, and what he's been able to do you know, at Jackson State, and and they're winning football too. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like he's going in there day five and in, in, in six on the season and whatnot. No, they're actually they're winning football games. They're looking good, man. So big shout out to Deion Sanders and his son. Um, you know, for those accolades. Yeah, shout out to the Sanders family. Shout out to Deion specifically for what he's doing with that program, uh, shining light on that program, and also preparing those young men, giving them an opportunity now for that next phase in their life, whether it is on the field or off the field. So kudos to him. Uh, in terms of Brian Kelly, man, I, I agree with you too. It's, you know, it's got to be tough. He just became the winningest coach in Notre Dame history this year. Um, and so to walk away, I don't know, maybe maybe there'll be more that comes out from this story. I just find the timing so ironic because it's like, you you there's a possibility that they find out with the new rankings that they're in the playoffs. Yeah. And if, if I'm a player in that locker room, it's like, again, you've asked me to sacrifice for this goal that now you're de- that you've decided to walk away from it. and not only are you walking away from it you're walking away from it in the middle of the process like yeah. i can understand if our season was officially over and you say i'm going to take this job you're walking away when 11 and 1 we at at the very least we were going to a bowl game yeah it's it, it's it's weird it makes me think that there is something else going on um but again that's we ain't going to know until until somebody yeah. puts it in their book <laughs> yeah on. yeah there, there might be there might be uh you know more to this that we'll find out later on yeah. uh trip before we wrap up though you want to shout out the sponsors of course got to shout out the sponsors um big shout out to Kmart uh shout out to my guys over at the Rosado firm of course Petro Home Services and Soundview Liquors and uh make sure you guys are following us on all our social media uh Twitter, Instagram at Real Fan Talk, Facebook.com forward slash Real Fans uh, Real Talk, and subscribe to that YouTube channel, YouTube.com forward slash For the Fans Productions. Also, I I mean I know you guys are already, but you know we get new fans every week, so make sure you guys are subscribed to the Sanchez Show podcast, to the Real Fans Real Talk podcast, and uh, you know for our grown and sexy family. I like when I get to say that our grown and sexy family, uh, shooting the shit podcast with our brother Sean Fontaine. Uh, we are on every major streaming platform, um, so you can find us wherever you go to listen to podcasts. And uh, do not worry if you're not in New York City on Thursday nights and you can't watch on, on Verizon 43. You can also catch us 
Anywhere you are in the world, all you got to do is go to the website, www.realfansrealtalk.com, and you can watch uh, Thursdays 8 p.m. with everybody else in New York City, no matter where you're at in the world. Yes, sir. Um, I know we got a special treat, Johnny Floss, going back to Cali video. Yes. Shout out to Johnny Floss, man. Uh, family of the show, man. You know, oh, facts. he's, he's facts. been a big supporter of the show, gave us our intro as well. Mm-hmm. So we always want to salute him and applaud him out there. Um Absolutely. And we gotta we gotta figure out the beagle thing. We gotta start going on beagle a little bit more too. Yes, we we're will get we're, that going. We're gonna we're gonna definitely do that. Um, again, big shout out to Johnny Floss. Yeah, he, he uh, DM'd me because I told him because anytime he drops something, I always hit him up like, "Yo, you know we're gonna permit on on the show this week." He, he was just thanking us, you know, for for always supporting his career, and uh, you know, it's just vice versa, man. Like, you know, he he gave he gave us a blessing with that theme song. Shout out to him and, and Misfit for putting that thing together, and actually, uh, shout out to Tycoon. Uh, Foster Jackson Because he actually produced The uh, the beat That was used For that song So you know Shout out to all of those 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 three people They put A classic theme song Together um, You know And that's that's all family That's nothing but family Right there So make sure y'all Support that uh, That video Going back to Cali We're gonna drop it For y'all here as well um, But you know You guys get to watch it On the big screen um, at, Right at the end of the show Yes sir Um one last thing, Trip. We didn't we didn't get into it too before we wrap up. Uh, Thursday night prediction for next week. Yes. Cowboys Saints. All right now, because of <laughs> what you said earlier in regards to the Giants, I have to go for the Saints to, to win this game. So that's my answer right there. I'm not giving no no long drawn out uh, explanation. You have convinced me, Eric, that we got a chance to win this thing. So I'm going with the Saints at home. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's a chance. <laughs> I'm jumping out the window. <laughs> I'm, I'm rooting for you guys. I do like the Cowboys in that game because, like I said, I expect them to get healthy. But that does not um, that does not diminish what I said about the Giants earlier because I do <laughs> think the Giants are going to get back into this thing and, and have an opportunity. Hey, either way, you're good because the Saints are one of those teams right in front of you. So if they lose, you put yourself in position to leapfrog them as well. Yes. Either way, you're good. Uh, with that being said, we're going to wrap up on that note. For myself, Legend of Two Games, and my main man, Trip Young, Sanchez Show, Real Fans, Real Talk, and, like you said, subscribe to Shooting the Sh. We out of here. Peace. What the fuck? This is your African King of Comedy, Michael Blackson. You're watching Real Fans, Real Talk. Get real with it, my son. Real fans, real talk, we as real as you thought.